Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time that may, may be, wherever you are. My name is Craig Hagan, and you're listening to Rama's Weekly Podcast. I'm sitting here with T-Mac Tony McKinnon. I guess, Tony, you just got back from eating some more crawfish, right? I did. Got back from the land of crawfish and oysters, and it was good. Yeah, so you regular listeners, you know that Tony has a crawfish fetish or something <laughs> like that. He, he loves crawfish. I love Louisiana. Yeah, so yeah. he likes to hang out in Louisiana, you know. Like, you know, he likes alligators or whatever. Yeah. Shout out to the Grand Church in Kinder, Louisiana. Yeah, so today is actually June the... Uh, June 30th. June 30th, the last day of June. You know, it's it's pretty hot outside. Yeah, it's been worse. But, but we're getting ready for our 50th camp meeting coming up. Um, our 50th annual camp meeting here on the campus of Rama Bible Church and Rama Bible Training College. And... Um, what is the dates there? 24th through the 29th The July. 24th through the 29th of July. And on Thursday, you know, Thursday, I guess that's the 28th of July, we're yes. having our special our special 50th celebration. We're going to have a shindig. A shindig. Yeah, you don't want to miss it. And, you know, some of you might not be able to be here in person, but that's okay. You can tune in online at our various different online outlets. TV will carry it live. That's our TV channel, or you can Facebook Live, Kenneth Hagan Ministries, actually, the Facebook Live channel, or the Rama USA YouTube app, our YouTube channel, or on our app, app. Um, you know, what if you have a, you can download the Rama USA app and you can um, have it there, but you know, you don't want to miss the 50th anniversary of camp meeting. I know my grandfather used to say, you know, if you miss it, you'll miss half your life. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a wonderful celebration. Um, many different things that we're going to have. And, you know, over the last 50 years, we've had all kinds of different ministers. And in fact, a lot of different ministries started out of camp meeting, you know, yeah. and before they ministered a camp meeting, no one even knew who they, who they were. In fact, I actually saw a picture of a very interesting quartet. I would like to actually hear what they sung, but it was camp meeting years ago downtown and there were four gentlemen that were singing together. It happened to be um, Kenneth Copeland, Lynn Meek, Vep Ellis Jr., and Richard Roberts. <laughs> so those four guys sang a quartet sometimes. So maybe I'll get a hold of that quartet and see what it sounded like because I, you know, I, you know, I know all of them sing, but I never knew sing they all, together. There's another all thing. together quartet, quartet. You know, obviously we're gonna have the Raymond Singers and, and band there. Um, David Ingles. David Ingles was there from the beginning, and it's gonna be a wonderful time. At Camp Meeting 2022, our 50th um, anniversary of Camp Meeting. Well, today on the program, uh, we have John Grunewald. Now, John is over Rama Europe, Rama Africa, and the Middle East, where we have a few things going on. Welcome, John, to the program. How are you doing? Very good. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah. So, John, you have something special coming up that you were telling us about. Um, first of all, tell us about what their book project is, and then tell us about what you guys are doing. Yeah, sure. Uh, we have something called the Greater European Book Project, and it started years ago by combining two things, actually. Joe Dunnick here at Rama has been over foreign translation for many, many years. Yeah. And so that was going on all over, and certainly in Europe. And we moved to Germany in 93, and we started picking up some of the books there that we needed and hadn't been done yet. So we started a long time ago with that. And yeah, we, you know, you're looking at all the other nations that needed books, and it just kind of was growing, and we weren't sure what to do about that. And then, you know, we, when the schools were 
forming more in some uh, standardization ways. We had had a group years ago. I think it, we did this. I don't. I mean, we might have done it here on campus in one of the summer deals, where a bunch of us sat down and said, if we had to choose 20 or 25 books that every Ramus student should know, you know, what would they be? Well, we hated limiting it to 25, and I tell you, that was a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, we had to stop somewhere because if you're going to translate those books, it just never ends otherwise. And so and, and we, it costs money, too. Yeah, I mean, it costs money. And so we chose, we finally ended up with a list of 25. And we didn't call that the Greater European Book Project at the time. It was just our list of 25. And uh, we, in, in all the book work we'd done, it's tedious. Yeah. And uh, so I'd actually talked to Joe Dunnick one time and said, Joe, I'm not sure I really want to do this. And he goes, no, you need to. And uh, I said, yeah, it's just, it's just endless work, you know, and with the translation and everything all the way through to publication in these other languages. And he goes, no, I, I really think you should do it. And uh, so, you know, sometime after that, I was sitting at a table with a couple of people and we were talking about it. And I just said, you know what? We're going to do it all. And it was like the moment that I said that, it was like I got in agreement with God. Mm. And I, I always said, for, you know, for that particular thing and moment that it was like when you agree to do the impossible, it touches the heart of God. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't say that things just automatically took off. Uh, we had to do a lot of work thinking and promoting, and some of the earlier promotions weren't very successful. But anyhow, <laughs> we ended up with these 25 books, and we're now at 34 language zones in Europe. So if oh. you do the math on that, that's 850 books that need to be done, and we're about halfway with that project. Okay. And then, you know, one thing, obviously, the it's kind of difficult to start other schools in other countries if we don't have any books. Yeah. And so that's one of our, our biggest things. First of all, we got to translate the books into to their language before we can actually ever bring a Rama Bible training college, yeah. you know, to their, to their country. Yeah. And so that's a, a whole big thing that a lot of people don't think about that, but you know, if, if someone else hasn't translated it, then we need to translate it. And translation is very important. Um, you know, I remember, so I don't know if you might know a little better about the East German pastors that, that came to Winter Bible Seminar after um, the Berlin, Berlin Wall came down, and they and they attributed the Christians getting hold of mm-hmm. believers' authority and, and praying. I mean, do you have a you know the story? Yeah, that absolutely. I, I mean, uh, Fred Uwe Winkler, who pastors in a, a little an area called Suhl, S-U-H-L, in Germany. It's old East Germany. And he was one of those original group that came over. And uh, these guys were incredible. I mean, the hunger that they had. And he, we have hosted a campus at his church now, you know, for years we did that. And he's helped with a campus over in that part of the country. So he and some of the other guys, you know, they, they couldn't get these, these books were like gold. Yeah. One of his friends, Marcus Rex, who pastors right on the Polish-German border, Marcus the way he learned English was with a cassette tape recorder, one of Brother Hagen's books, and he'd listen to a, a word or two, stop it, look it up in the dictionary, and that's how he was learning those books and learning English. Hmm. Wow. And you hear that numerous times in that part of the world. That's how hungry they were. They would tear these books apart and pass them around and you know, until you read the whole book yeah. and because they just couldn't get enough copies. So it's uh, what these books do is incredible. I mean, they change lives. Yeah. In fact, I, I know like um, 
we were trying to see about some of our, our schools about you know giving people digital books on on their you know give them get them a, a device on some digital books because we can just you know but then they said yeah but we want real books so we can pass it out to our family members after we read it so they can read it you know so i mean there might be five or six different people end yeah. up reading that one book mm-hmm. because they came to rainbow yeah. training college and got the book and they were able to pass yeah. it to their their friends loved ones and whoever else well it's a great point because we, we did a survey about that like well why don't because people would ask when we were looking for funds for these books they said well why don't you just do digital it won't cost you and uh, so we said, you know what, we're going to check on this a little bit more and just see how many people would be willing to have the digital. And the vast majority said they still wanted printed books, that a lot of them wouldn't probably use these kind of books. They want to write in them. They want to pass them around. And you can't pass around a digital book. Well, you so, can, but it's, it's, well, it's a little, thing it's a little more difficult. <laughs> Let's say we're not supposed to pass around digital books. But these other ones, they do. They get passed around and... Uh, these books, one of the great things about them is they go into all the places that we may never go, and that's into people's homes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that's why we want to keep getting these books out. I don't know if you've ever heard of the author Jay Strack, but he he had a quote years ago, and he said, you'll be the same person you are five or ten years from now, except for the places you go, the people you meet, the books you read, and the scripture you memorize. Wow. And I love that quote because I look at every one of those, and, and every one of those areas has changed my life. But books for sure did. And, I mean, these books, these faith library books, they were some books that before I even came to Rhema that changed my life. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Um, so, yeah, they're, it's a big project, but it's a necessary project. Yeah, so, you know, you might be out there listening, you know, and, and, and maybe you are you do feel called to come to Rhema Bible Training College or to learn because you're called to the ministry, or maybe learn more about the Bible, rbtc.org is the place to go. You can fill out your application right there, or you can just um, give us your information, and we'll send you uh, information about about Rama. We're starting our 2022-2023 school year, September the sixth. Like yeah, third, fourth, fifth. I don't know. First week of September. Anyway, but you know that would be great. But maybe you're out there and you say, well, I'm. I can't go to Rhema. I've been I've been praying for people around the world. But one thing you can do is help us translate books all all around the world, especially here you know, in Europe. So tell them how to get involved and tell them also about the thing that you're doing yeah. um, to, to yeah, raise there's, money. There's a number of ways to get involved depending on where somebody is. And you can, at our rhema.eu site, there's a link in there. And also at grunewald.org. If you scroll down just you don't a have to bit, spell Grunewald for him. <laughs> I can spell that. Grunewald is G-R-U-N-E-W-A-L-D dot org. Everybody knows how to spell Grunewald, right? Yeah. And uh, so, so uh, the other one's Rama dot E-U. That's probably a lot easier. R-H-E-M-A dot E-U. Yeah. And that, so there's a link on there for both of those. But so what, what we did with this is um, some years back, probably six, seven more, I decided I wanted to do a longer backpacking hike. Yeah. And I was actually going to probably do something like this in 2018. I'd set a little bit of time aside. And then our daughter, Gabby. You said longer. So for those of you out there that are like me, you first have to be a hiker (laughs) before you start considering longer hikes. That's true. (laughs) I realized that hiking... well, you hiked from the car to the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Hiked yeah. up these stairs while ago. Yeah. After my nap. 
I realize hiking isn't everybody's cup of tea, and I've just liked it since I was a little kid. And then we lived, we moved to Colorado when I was 15, and so hiking became even more of a love for me in the mountains. And so this hike that we're going to do is um, is called the Colorado Trail, and it goes from just outside of Denver to Durango, Colorado, and it's right under 500 miles. Goes west toward uh, Breckenridge, Frisco area, and then it cuts south and it kind of stays outside of Leadville and Buena Vista all the way down through the mountains there. And, uh, you know, eventually you go through close to Silverton, Colorado, and then end up in Durango. And so it's probably about a 30-day hike for us. If we do it less than that, great. For, take... for Tony, that's like, a, that's longer. Yeah, <laughs> that is longer. Yeah. Well, there, there are longer ones. And it's uh, my real dream. Well, I'm saying it would probably take us 60 days to do yeah. a 30-day hike. <laughs> my real dream hike would be the Continental Divide Trail, which goes from Mexico to Canada through New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, and then parts of Montana and Idaho. That's 3,000 miles. Wow. I just can't quite find the time for that one. But I, I decided because, well, I'm not getting any younger, so I decided I better pick one of these. And in 2018, then our daughter decided to get engaged and married. And so that kind of took care of that time slot that we had set aside for hiking. And uh, I didn't think about it the next year. And then the next year we were talking about it. And finally, about a year or so ago, I said, I'm setting aside the time in 2022. We're going to make it work and we're going to do this hike. And, and I didn't want to just hike and just hike. I, I, you know, because of what we do, I wanted to pair it with a cause. And I would say that the Greater European Book Project is a cause for us, that it's something that we feel like is a responsibility of ours to do. And so there's, there's a, we're compelled to do it. And so our, our goal with this, with the hike and pairing it together was to raise awareness and funds. And so we put a goal of $250,000 on there to help the project out. These books we originally, when we figured the cost of these books from translation to editing to, to printing 2,000 copies, we figured a German price is so on the average was around $10,000. Some are more, some are less, but it's a good enough average. And uh, if we get it uh, printed somewhere else in some of these other countries, it's a little bit less, but still it's an easy one to figure on. And so if we have another 450 books to do, that's just four and a half million dollars. So at least a quarter of a million dollars is a dent in it. So what we'll do with this hike is, you know, there's 28 segments, I think, on the hike. And you can view that on our website. It'll show where we're at. And uh, and then alongside it, we'll show the the funds that it's raising for the book project also. Uh, So that's kind of what the, in a nutshell, what it's doing. And we just thought it'd be nice to raise more awareness to what it is and so, so are, are people donating per segment, or, or how, how does that They work? can do a one-time deal. They can do per mile. I would love for churches to do $10 a mile and come out to about $5,000. Yeah. Because that's not a big deal. That's not even a mission trip. And these books, if you can get 2,000 books instead of a mission trip, both are valuable. But it's yeah. not it's not a big deal. So, uh, yeah, that would be good. Like I said, you know, if you happen to be a pastor or, or, or board member or whatever, or you just go to a church, maybe you get your church involved, you know, behind this. Yeah. Or maybe you just maybe do a, a monthly donation to the European Book Project. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it might be easier for the church to say, hey, we're, you know, we're going to we're going to donate five hundred dollars a month or, or whatever to, to help spread the gospel around the world. Or at least mm-hmm. in this situation around Europe. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously this not only 
helps us, um, you know, get the word out. It also helps our students because, you know, it's very important for these students to Absolutely. actually have books. And, you know, a lot yeah. of you guys don't think about this, you know, because when we start a, a campus, you know, in English or Spanish or some of the other languages that we, we have lots of books in, it's really easy. But yeah. but when you start, you know, there's so many different languages out there. And in and, and Europe, they speak so many different yeah. languages Every yeah. country has their own language for the most part. Well, yeah, part. when like I say, we have 30, we chose 34 language zones, and you could probably take some more dialects out of some of those countries too, but 34 covers the majority of, of everything there. So the, you know, it's a, it's an interesting deal really to, to see how all that works, you know, in another country. And when we first started out and we didn't have some of the books, we ended up making handouts for class because we looked at all the books that we had at Rayma USA yeah. And we couldn't come close. Mm. So we made handouts, and we ended up with a 1,000 pages of handouts. Wow. Wow. And, but that was to supplement until the books were getting done. And now, like, uh, we're just starting in Poland this fall, finally, the whole yeah, legal. I was going to get to that. Yeah, yeah the our, legal. That's our newest campus, correct, is yeah. in Poland? Yeah, La- Poland and Latvia are both starting in the fall. And we need books. We have some books, but we don't have all the books there. But... Uh, you know, then we go through based on what books are there and we'll just cross out the uh, handouts that we don't need. But we yeah. otherwise, that's part of our startup process to launch a campus is to start out far enough adv- in advance to translate everything we need for class. Yeah. And uh, if we don't have the books, well, we work on that then while they're in school. But in, in a perfect world, we'd have them before. Yeah, I mean, it's really important to, like I said, get the books first of all at least have you know three or four books translated so we yeah. have a you know a basic start i i know um i know spiros over Raymond greece you know wants to go to some other baltic nations but the thing is first of all you pick the nations and secondly is get into their language so yeah. that way before you could even start over there i know mm-hmm. it's it's really cool seeing all the albanian books coming out you know right now as, you know, yeah. as well you know and I know they translated quite a few books. Yeah, they have, and Spiros has done a great job with that. And I think that we're actually, those 25 are done there. Yeah. Um, now they're just extra books. But we did the same thing, like in Hungary. We've got that list completely done, and we don't have a campus there yet. But we had the right person there to, to work on the book translation and the publishing. And we don't do anything anymore unless it's like a professional publisher. Yeah. Because what happens is if you said... Well, the pastor's wife really liked this book. It touched her life. She did it. Well, they do one printing, and then they never print again. Yeah. And yeah. then we're right back where we started. So it's better to do somebody that – and what this does is, like, you know, we help fund that initial uh, startup for them in these books. And then they have to sell them and keep raising money to do it on their own. Right. We don't keep raising money – for other books that they want to do or reprints, we raise money for these 25 only. And uh, then everything else is on them. But because if we get wider than that, I mean, the project will never end. So, you know, speaking of campuses in, in Europe and Africa, I mean, can you talk a bit about COVID and, and you know, yeah. where, where are we at now? I mean, I know there might be some campuses are not having... You know, yeah, I think we're we're pretty much that everybody is having school. Um, it feels weird if you're in America because uh, we don't have any restrictions going on here, but yeah. there still are. Yeah, I mean, people still, in America don't realize how restricted other countries yeah, still are. Yeah, and I mean, some countries are still talking about reenacting uh, restrictions. Mm-hmm. And that keeps the ground very unsteady for what we're doing. And, you know, we've had to do a hybrid of things where we were – 
uh, we were doing class by Zoom. And then like four months later, they'd let us meet for one month. And then they took that off again. And we're, and we're having to do it by Zoom or pre-recorded because that's what was available. Yeah. Um, but I'll say this about it. I mean, it, it varied all over the place. And it was, I think, it kind of ugly. But we spent a lot of time, all the teams and the leaders and the directors together every month in multiple meetings, you know, making sure everybody was doing okay, helping with ideas. And we actually grew by yeah. 10% during like from 2020 to 2021 in that oh. area. Uh, so it was a lifeline for a lot of people because our guess is, and I, I could be wrong because I think this is a guess, but I would guess that maybe 50% of the churches in Europe closed permanently during COVID. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's, I, I would probably agree. Yeah, I mean, they, they couldn't meet. It was It was totally restricted and... You know, after a while, I mean, you're closing your doors because you're paying rent and people weren't continuing to give to that. So they, they lost a lot of churches and it. Uh, and if they didn't lose churches, they lost a lot of people. Yeah. So it was like starting over with a core group again, which, OK, maybe not all bad in some cases, but it, it's a, it's been a challenge for people overseas. Yeah. So you know, we have two schools opening in the fall. Do we have or we have others in the works? I know I feel bad for for. Raymond Norway, I mean, they took two years to have their graduation. We couldn't <laughs> yeah. be there. I was supposed to be there to, you know, we did yeah. that by video, but, you know. It worked and they were happy, you know, in the end. It was every time they scheduled graduation, more restrictions came along and they had to cancel it. So it did take two years, but they're doing great. And, uh, you know, I would say Norway's a, a great case study. We had some issues there some years ago with somebody <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, the, the people on the ground leading it now uh, are doing a great job. And I was talking to them the other day and I said, you know, it took us five years to get a reputation back. Yeah. And well, and that's why it's so important to do things right the first time. Yeah. Yep. So, so we, you know, and, you know, big time. Yeah. Now, you know, also talk about this because many people like don't realize when we give permission to start Rainbow Training College, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's not like we give permission and they're open in two months or something no. like that. So people because wondering, well, you have all these approved campuses, but you haven't started. But, you know, it yeah. probably takes two years, right, to, you know, it maybe easily longer. can. You, you could probably start quicker, but it wouldn't be as, as strong. Yeah. And, well, let's take Poland, for instance. Uh, we got the approval a long time ago. And so we started the process to get legal. And, and and that that is a big thing because we've run into yep. situations in Angola and some other places yep. where we didn't we, legally yeah. show up some things and it's it's been we a mess. do not do it unless we're legal yeah yeah and that's another, and that takes money too to get yeah to go all the things well we figure now when we start a campus in Europe because you're talking about two years plus out it to launch you're in the neighborhood of fifty thousand dollars yeah so that's money out of the pocket. And so we have we have to go through and do launch budgets and operational budgets. And we review those from time to time to see how we're doing. But so Poland, we're going along. We got all our legal papers, papers turned in. And then COVID happens and the lawyer shuts his office and the government shuts their office. So it basically shut it down for two years. Wow. Well, here's the problem then. If you don't have a legal organization, you can't have a website and you can't have a bank account. Yeah. So, and getting bank accounts in Europe today is a process. I'm, 
It's ridiculous. When Michelle and I got our our last bank well, account, well, probably if you're if you also you're not a you're not a citizen of that country, right? I mean, because that's part of it. But you are we are a legal organization, and they yeah. still gave us problems there. Well, I, I know uh, in Raymond, we we've been doing some thing in Kennesaw Ministry Canada. They would not issue a credit card in my name. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, you know, because I wasn't Canadian. So because we were thinking about, you know, you know, we, we would do some expenses or whatever, you know, you and they said, oh, we can't, you know, unless they're a Canadian, we can't give a credit card for you. Yeah. I mean, that was American Express, too. So it was like, I guess we have to leave home without it. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So there's a lot of those kind of challenges that take time. And like in Latvia, you know, because we have uh, Latvian grads that are Rama grads, Latvian nationals that are Rama grads, that made the process a little easier. So we probably did that one in half the time because of that. And uh, and their rules are just a little bit different than Poland. Yeah. So we could we could start a little sooner with that one than we could. So we ended up starting almost the exact same week this in September this year with both campuses. Yeah. And, you know, some things we don't talk about on the podcast, but we are, like I said, we have 200. I don't know how many campuses are, are running right now. And so yeah. if you go to rbtc.org, there is a way to get to the various campuses all, all around the world. Um, so, you know, so maybe you're listening like we know we have a lot of people that are listening to other countries. Um, we know that India is actually our biggest listeners for whatever reason. And we have, I think, seven um, campuses yeah, in, somewhere in, in there, six, in India, seven, yeah. you know, six or seven. Yeah. And so, you know, we're all around the world. And a lot of times people don't realize, you know, rbtc, rainbowtrainingcollege.org is more than just here in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, um, and you know we have over 110,000 Ramagrads all over the world. You know, and I know thinking about my grandfather when when he he had a vision of fi- training 50 students a year. I mean 50, and, and I you know I know John, you remember whenever he would he would brag on you know the sun never sets on on, on a Rama graduate. Yeah. Now the sun never sets on a Rama student. I mean every time zone. I mean you know we have someone yeah. training you know, to, to go out and, and preach this gospel, you know, to the world, you know, and it's, it's just so awesome to carry on his vision. Yeah. You know, and I know you probably feel the same way. Every time you're sitting at a Raymond graduation, you're thinking, you know, about my grandparents, you know, how, how excited that they would be to, yeah. to know what we're doing around the world. They do know. know and it's just, and they, and they do know. I mean, yeah. You know, I send out, you know, every time we send out our, uh, the monthly, the, the accumulated monthly report from the yeah. world for RBTCs, I write a little something and then it, it gets distributed. And just the other day, I wrote the one for um, May because yeah. that's the last one we have uh, put together. And I said, you know, I just said, you know, go teach my people faith. Uh, I, I said, that's what these reports represent is because we've as of April, we went over 20,000 current students around the world. Wow. And so uh, May, uh, April, May, June so far, we were over 20,000. And that's 20, over 20,000 students around the world that are being trained to go teach other people faith, too. And I said, I said, I said if, if I was Brother Hagen and I'd been given the mandate to go teach my people faith, I think he's getting reports in heaven, yeah. however that works. And I said, I think he'd be smiling. You know, thank you guys. You know, here at Rama, we're bringing hope, help, and healing to the world. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you later.